Welcome to show 44 of the Cloth Ever Podcast. Today I'm joined by Rebecca and we are going to be talking about all things cloth diapering. We're going to be talking about um, cloth diapering kind of on an off-the-grid situation as well as her cloth diaper journey. So stay tuned for another cloth diaper parent episode. Welcome back to the Cloth Diaper Podcast, a somewhat regular show dedicated to everything cloth diapering. I'm sure you can hear that cling-bang battle in the background, and that's my dryer going And There's obviously something that shouldn't have been gone in there. Anyways, my name is Bailey, and I am the host of the Cloth Diaper Podcast. I'm a mom of two, and I live in northern British Columbia. The Cloth Diaper Podcast is on its third year this summer, and we have been doing... 44 episodes. I think that's absolutely crazy. What we do every other week or whenever I have a moment is we share stories of cloth diapering. So I connect with brands and retailers from around the world to tell their cloth diaper story, to tell why they do what they do, what they do what they do, and help share a variety of different experiences that might help you in your cloth diaper journey. The most important thing I think we can learn about parenting and motherhood is that my story is not your story and your story is not mine. What works for you might not work for me. And so that's why I have the podcast. The podcast is an opportunity for us to sit down every other week and talk about different ways that different families do it. So today I'm joined by Rebecca. She's a mom of two and she's doing things a little bit differently. You might find that some of the suggestions that Rebecca has go against mainstream cloth diapering philosophies and rules. That is okay. I'm not here to talk about rules. I'm not here to talk about science. I'm here to provide anecdotal ideas about how you could better your cloth diaper experience. All of that sounds like hogwash and doesn't sound like a reason that you should take me very seriously, but I do believe that our experiences are the most important story in cloth diapering. Every week, a new parent joins us and tells us about what they do in cloth diapering and how they broke the rules to make cloth diapering work for them. Rules are a great place to start, but they're not the only place. Rules can help us build guidelines, but sometimes we live in unique and different situations around the world where they might not work. And so today, Rebecca is sharing about how she found something that worked for her. We're going to be talking about vinegar. We're going to be talking about off-grid. We're going to be talking about gray water. We're going to be talking about some big misconceptions we think the cloth diaper industry has. So I hope that you enjoy this show. Um, The most important thing that I want you to take away from this show is I want you to critically think about what's being shared, how it works in your life, and it's okay if you disagree. Disagreements is kind of the best part of life. Disagreeing shows that we're critically thinking about something and we're finding a better solution for ourselves. And if you agree, that's awesome too. There's a lot of different shades of gray out there. And that's the most important um, thing that I want you to take away. I want you to empower you to make your own decisions. How is your day besides this half hour that we just spent trying to troubleshoot something ridiculous? <laughs> it's been good. It's a cold morning here. and But I got the fire all cozy and warm now. And Where are you again? Uh, northwest Portland area. Okay. Okay. You're not that so you're not like that far Oregon. from me. Theoretically. No, no not that far from you. We're in yeah. the same time zone. So 
That's nice. I kept double checking on that. I was like, I don't want to be late. (laughs) I um, had a meeting with, I had a conversation last year with Humbert and we totally got thrown off uh, between (laughs) Germany and here. And it was the week of daylight savings and it was just like, oh dear, it was a nightmare. Uh, All right. So we've got Rebecca here today and we're just kind of jump into my questions. I don't really do any warm up unless you've got any anxieties. Uh, But. You're unique because your cloth diapering kind of off grid. Like, yeah, I'm video chatting with you here, and you don't have drywalls. Yes, it's my cabin's not finished at all yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, work in progress. It's a work in progress. Yes, um, little my husband comes home from work and works on little little things every night, and just slowly, slowly getting it finished because it was. It was an emergency situation to get out of our old house because it had mold and um, we needed a place quick. (laughs) So we built this little itty bitty cabin that's 24 by 24. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. On um, my uh, uh, father-in-law's ranch. And so, yeah, it's it's been an adventure. It's been really fun. Um, Are you raising one baby, two babies? Two babies. So I have a four-year-old that I still cloth diaper at night. Okay. And then I have um, a 21-month-old. So he's going to turn two soon. Oh, exciting. Yes. Exciting. Yes. Uh, and why did you start cloth diapering? What even brought you into this journey? <laughs> well, I was raised super crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just... From when I was very little, it was just always put in my brain that uh, cloth diapering was better. It was just, that was the, that was it. That was the rhetoric, right? Right. And so when I learned I was pregnant, it was just, it wasn't even like, it was just what I was going to do. And because I knew I wanted to uh, avoid the chemical toxic load in our family and um I sometimes I think we feel like we're forced to uh decide like when I ask this question it feels like I know I struggle with this question because it feels like well you were given a choice but you didn't really think it was choice it was just like that was the thing you were going to do right Uh, I feel like that's kind of how my thought brain journey was too it wasn't like I was sitting there deciding whether or not I would do one or the other I kind of always just knew I would cloth diaper right Uh, and uh you know, I, I couldn't like just pinpoint like this is the toxin I wanted to avoid because there's not a whole lot of research out there. There is a big unknown <laughs> of the disposable industry, but I knew I was suspicious of it and it was one thing that I wanted to avoid. Um, so that was my main reason. And uh, so... I only was able to do a tiny bit of research on what cloth diapers were um, before I had my child um, due to lack of internet. I knew what I wanted. I wanted the cloth diaper. I found pockets, which I thought were modern and cute, and I didn't want to look like old-fashioned or poor or anything. Why are those worries that we have with other diapers? It's so strange. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But then once I got into it, I realized what a cost savings it was. And that really, really helped my husband and I because we had a limited income and 
it was such a blessing to have that cost savings. And um, then later down the road, um, some people do it for the environment. And at the time of doing it, I wasn't so much there. But now my husband and I are getting into like being good stewards of the land and everything. And so the environmental piece of cloth diapering has become more important to me. Gotcha. And then they're stinking cute. I mean, that isn't a sole reason to do it, but. So has your journeys changed? So you're saying like you're now living in this cabin has been kind of like a new thing. So does that mean Uh that your cloth diapering style has changed over the years or needed to adapt with you? Because four years ago, would you have been living like this or would you have different resources? Um, Yeah, I had different resources. I had just a normal house out in the country, you know, full power, (laughs) full septic. (laughs) Um, And uh, I wanted like everything the same, everything streamlined, like everything the same. Like I bought a stash of all of one diaper, which was my first mistake. (laughs) And uh, now my stash has evolved from the pockets that I began with into just, I love variety. (laughs) So I have a little bit of everything. (laughs) A little bit of everything. I mean, I, uh, the no stranger to that story. So part of your first email here was about that you might be cloth diapering off grid with gray water. Yes. So how do you do that with a little bit of everything? (laughs) Well, at the very beginning, um, we didn't have any power. None whatsoever. We had one little itty bitty generator that could run my fridge and that was our power. Um, We did have running water. Um, We turn on a generator to fill the tank up the hill and then it's pressurized by gravity. So we do have running water in the house. Like all our fixtures look normal and everything. Um, We have hot water via an instant um, propane water heater. Um, and then I have like a propane stove and that sort of thing. So at the very beginning, um, that's all we had. Um, so I was hand washing. So I had enough flats and covers that I was hand washing flats and covers every day and then hanging them to dry, which was pain because we're in a humid climate yeah still take forever to dry (laughs) i've done the um, the flats and hand washing challenge usually falls when i'm visiting my parents in vancouver and uh yeah it's pretty humid they never dry ever yeah yeah i I missed when i was hand washing i missed my dryer more than my washer because i was hand washing all of our clothes and big bulky things and it just took forever to dry and we didn't have a clothesline. So I was like draping it on chairs and I had like, feel like you're living in laundry. Yeah. And like bailing wire from one beam to the next. <laughs> Which, hanging them um, on there. <laughs> last week I chatted with a mama who's in Germany and they don't, dryers aren't really super commonplace. So that's the yeah. story she also shared. So you adapted your stash. You've adapted your stash for the different washing situations that you've been in. It's not that you've made all the different types of cloth diapering work while doing something. It's just that you, yeah. you've mixed it. Okay. That mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense. Cause you're kind of like talking about how you use all the types of diapers and then that <laughs> you're off grid cloth diapering. And I was like, how is she doing that with an all in one? God, I hope she's not doing that with an all in one. Um, yeah. It's just no. different, different styles work for different situations. The definition of off-grid doesn't necessarily mean you're totally without power. 
Okay. It just means you're not connected to the power company. Okay. So you don't have big lines coming in. Um, so like when we first started, we had very, very limited power. It was just the little generator running the fridge. Um, now we have a full solar system um, and a battery. So when it's sunny, the um, solar system charges the battery and we run off that battery. Okay. And so um, I do now have enough power to run my fridge, um, to run my washer. So I have my washer back. Um, I was only hand washing for like four and a half months okay, until we got that solar system set up. And so now I am using my all-in-ones okay. and pre-folds and my whole stash. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. all the diapers. <laughs> um, so what it looked like, you know, when I was hand washing, it was just flats and covers. Um, I tried the bucket and plunger method, really hated it. Like, really? What did you yes. hate about it? It hurt my back. It was um, just, I didn't feel like it got it as clean and I broke so many plungers. <laughs> this just wasn't working. And so my, uh, my, uh, husband's uncle had an old washboard, an old glass washboard that he gave me. And I loved that thing because I had, um, my kitchen sink was a utility sink at the time. So I had a big basin to wash in and I could just wash them yeah. super quick that way and get them super clean. And, uh, so I really preferred the washboard. I tried a washboard last year for the Flats and Hand Washing Challenge and would definitely agree that it was a game changer. Like it, yeah, it oddly, I always kind of looked at them and was like, how is this going to make it easier? Um, but yeah. it's kind of magical. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's fun. So now yeah. you're kind you're hooked in, you got electricity is not that big of a stress for you. Yeah. Just to do the laundry. I mean, you kind of, you have to, sometimes you have to wait until there's a sunny day, which. <laughs> when there's a, a power? Is this. that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I have power. So that sometimes um, diapers don't get washed for two or three days. Because you're in Oregon. Because, because I'm in Oregon, <laughs> Northwest Oregon, which <laughs> rains and rains and rains and in the winter. So yeah. <laughs> do you find that to be a challenge in your wash routine? Like, do you find holding off a few days makes a big difference or not? Um, yes, I, um, have been scared to use vinegar because of all the stuff on the internet. Yeah. And then, um, I just used some of Green Mountain Diapers advice that, you know, a little bit of vinegar is okay. Mm -hmm. And I started using that on the days that I knew I went extra long, just an extra rinse with vinegar and then just an extra rinse after that. And it's been fine. Like, oh, yeah? I, haven't, okay. I haven't had to do a reset in a long time so it's, it's interesting working. because last week as well so I was talking about I mentioned the, my conversation with the um, the woman from Germany she also said the exact same thing so it's such a interesting trend for me to hear I yeah. am always cautious because exactly yeah all that information on the internet and like detergent or washing machine companies got all roughly roughly around the rubber breakdown I think it's going to be something right. like you have to do in moderation and understand yeah. the risk that you might be taking. Um, and right. 
And then I have completely taken apart my old school top loader washer and yeah. there is no rubber in it. And so that's what made me feel comfortable oh, to yeah. be able to use vinegar because I know exactly what's in my washer. Like there's just, there's hard plastic. There is no rubber gaskets or anything like in the new front loaders. And so I think that's in my situation, that's how I can get away with using vinegar. Regularly. And I wonder like even with a new machine, like if you're running your machine enough and regular enough, and it like unless you're using like such a high concentration of vinegar all right. the time like shouldn't right. it ideally rinse out like yeah so if you're listening to this conversation and you're hesitant i would just like take your own like just tread with your own experience like what is the risk is it worth it yeah am i am is it gonna sit in vinegar like what is the realistic and what's not mm-hmm. are you responsible right. maintain your machine and I mean, I can't imagine that those gaskets aren't easy to replace either if worse came to worse. I've actually taken apart my sister-in-law's front loader. And the boot is the hardest thing to get on and off because mm-hmm. it has like a metal ring around it. But it, the weight, yeah. it's easy to take apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, it's interesting. She, because so she, this woman, and by the time that I release this show, that that show will be live. She, they were using citric acid. So she uses mm-hmm. citric acid in her machine. Um, instead, she found it was just working a little bit better than vinegar. Yeah. Um, but definitely some interesting choices that can really help and break, like, don't get, don't get too caught up in this fear that you're going to destroy your washing machine with vinegar. Or, you know, and there's also like, you know, the fear of the POL not liking the vinegar or the elastics. Yeah. And you're just changing the pH so slightly that unless you're putting like five cups in. (laughs) Well, and honestly, like if I think if you're using a mainstream detergent already, you're already impacting the the, um, all that pH, you're already impacting the elastics. There's so much like caustic, caustic ingredients, additives to something Mm -hmm. like Tide that like you're, you're taking that risk anyways, if you're using Tide. You're right. taking a risk. And I had diapers sitting on myself um, for like five months. I pulled them down. The elastics were completely shot. And yeah. I think it's because there was detergent residue in the elastics and it just broke mm-hmm. it down and ate it down. Cause like yep. there's no reason that a diaper should have sat on a shelf and then disintegrated on me. And I think it had right. to do with, with just like, yeah, being exposed to all the detergent crap and then just sitting mm-hmm. in it. We just yeah. break it down. So there's risks all around the conversation and probably yeah. not <laughs> considering them all, right? You just do what yes. works for you. Uh, right. I, know I was troubleshooting with a mama this morning about her cloth diaper routine and I might just have to go put that in her ear that vinegar might be something that helps her with, mm-hmm. with things and use, and use it in moderation. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, interesting. Okay. So is that part of your struggle with plant-based detergents was getting over that and then trying the vinegar? Um, you know, I, it was in my early journey cause I knew I didn't want to, uh, use any synthetics cause that's what I was trying to avoid. Um, you know, and all the, on the internet, everybody's pro tied and like, Oh yeah. <laughs> it works so well. It's <laughs> just so easy. It's so yeah. easy. And uh, plant-based detergents are not that easy. 
Yeah. And so I had well water and it was a little bit on the hard side and it would fluctuate from season to season because oh. it was a shallow <laughs> well. So <laughs> Oh, I just I see did. all the challenges. Oh yeah. like you think and, you know what you're doing and then a season comes. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) So I tried like seven different ones and then finally found one that kind of jived with my water composition and all that. And that's worked for like three years. And so... (laughs) I think like I think back to my conversation with Christina last year, uh, which might be show twenty six or something, and that's kind of what her experience had been too. Like you just kind of got to keep trying one until you find the one that works for your water, and it's there's yeah, so many complexities about water that we can't just do like an easy. This will work for this. It's like you got to do it. And I definitely went on the big page and asked for closet mm-hmm. advi- or like wash advice like three different times. Yeah. And like none of those routines worked. And I was just like, I, and they kind of kept irritating me because like, they were like, well, everything's a chemical. You can't just avoid chemicals. (laughs) I was like, stop saying that. You know what I mean. (laughs) You know that I want to avoid certain things. You know that I am trying. Do I have to miss the chemicals (laughs) that I want to avoid? Well, and like we have cloth diapered for years. So there's ways to wash diapers with soap, theoretically, because we have, like you can get them clean. Just whether or not people like that idea or not is a different story. And you've probably found like there's certain things that influence how successful that's going to be. Yeah. And so it was, it was really frustrating figuring it all out. Like, you know, I would think I would have it for like three weeks and then it would start to come back. And I was like, no. (laughs) And yeah, it was just such a big trial and error. And, you know, thinking I found help with the big pages and they just didn't help. And I just kind of had to figure it out on my own. And so when you got to that kind of frustration, what would be your go-to? Like, how would you think through that problem? Would you reset your diapers? What would you do there? Would you just try to, yeah. Um, Back then I did like do a full like uh, reset, you know, the stripping and the bleaching and all that. Um, Now I would either like if I hear, you know, if there's a slight ammonia or poop smell, I would either like just use what Grovia just recommends the one pod in a yeah. after a wash. Um, not like the huge long soak in three pods. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a little much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the one pod does such a great job. I don't know why people are doing the three pods. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd either do that or I might just try after I've cleaned the diapers with my wash routine, just that vinegar, maybe even a hot vinegar wash, okay. um, like a half a cup in my huge washer. That much, just a little bit. Just a little bit and wash and then rinse, rinse and see if that helps, you know? Yeah, right. And like you don't know until you try it. Right. And so... What detergent are you using today? What have you um, found that's working? I love um, BioClean Premium Plus. Mm. 
So it has some citrus that helps out. Um, it has the enzymes to help break down stuff. And then the premium plus part of it is they have their oxygen bleach in it. Okay. So I feel that extra boost of oxygen bleach has really helped me because I hardly get any stains. And I believe that just really deep cleans. I have used their normal like citrus essence um, mm-hmm. powdered um, and it, it did, did the job but I feel like the, the premium plus is just one notch above because they add their uh, oxygen bleach to it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really great things around the web about the BioClean. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little bit scared now because a couple weeks ago that they announced that they, I can't even remember the company that they joined forces with, oh, but they're not. Oh, I saw family. they got bought. Yes. And so my like local uh, crunchy co-op severed ties with them. So I don't know where to find my 50 pound box of <laughs> powder anymore. That really sucks. And like, yeah. that's this weird thing about when small green companies make it, they eventually get bought out. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm hoping don't change their formula and I'm hoping I can find another source for a 50 pound box because that saves a ton of money because I know I don't want to just buy it in the little itty bitty boxes from the store because it's just not economical. No, I was surprised to hear you say that you were buying a 50 pound box. Yeah, I That's really like the like size it. of my toddler. I use that on my diapers and then the extra dirty ranch clothes that we have. Mm. Um, and then I buy the citrus essence in the 50 pound box for everything else because it's a little cheaper per load. Okay, gotcha. And it it does good on normal laundry. But okay, so you don't have a septic system. So what are you doing nope. with pep poop and stuff? So for the family, we have a composting toilet. Oh, fancy. Yes. 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 Not really. It's just a bucket. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know what it is, there's fancy ones and then there's real basic ones. We have the basic one because that's work, what works for us right now. And um, it's you take your basic composting principles of, you know, three parts carbon to, you know, one part green, which is the poop. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the ratio that you mix it in the bucket. And then um, we have a compost pile and it's um sits in the compost pile for one to two years there's differing um time spans on the internet which one make breaks it down and it makes it um sanitary um and then you can just use it as regular compost um but how I get the poop into the bucket with cloth diapers without any water has been a struggle because you know you can't use a sprayer there isn't any dunking and swishing mm-hmm. um is i've been using smart bottoms cotton liners because those are the ones that have um i've noticed in the pile have be- biodegraded the best versus so they have a like disposable cotton liner Yes. Oh. Or I think they supposedly say they're flushable, but they have a cotton liner. Most of them are like um, bamboo. bamboo. 
And I've noticed in our pile when I go to take care of it and stir it that the bamboo ones are not decomposing and the cotton ones disappear really quick. Yeah, cotton Um, would do that. That's cotton. And they hold up in the wash so I can reuse them until they get pooped in. I never, I just Googled it and I, you're right. I never realized that smart bottoms, their liners were cotton. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been like a little bit of a learning curve, how to put them in perfectly to catch everything. Um, but so what are your tips? Because I get this question all the time. Like, oh, liners don't work. They always end up everywhere else. So best I liner tip? Get them, I can't get them to work in a cover with a uh, pre-fold or a flat pad folded. Like I haven't figured out how not to get it on the cover because the elastics are like right there. Mm-hmm. Um I've gotten it to work in my all-in-ones, like, and um, I have a few pockets that I, they work really well in the pockets just because of how they're used. Um, And then my pre-folds and my flats, I fold around my baby and make sure that all that lining is sticking out. And then when I put the cover, I make sure some of it's sticking out. I poke in the elastics. And the last thing I poke in is that liner. So it is to the very edge. Mm, Yes. And that's usually what I've suggested is like, it's okay for it to be like on stick out and then you just kind of poke it in. Yeah. And I personally haven't had any wicking problems if there's just a tiny bit sticking out. Um, even though it's cotton, but I haven't had any wicking issues. Um, no, it's not like a full insert or something sticking out. It's just like a little. Right. And then the occasion that I don't get it perfect, I have a tiny little bucket that I put a tiny bit of water in and then I swish it around and I have a little spatula to scrape it off and then I pour it in. <laughs> and that's so sexy. <laughs> so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay, so what about your washing machine? It all goes gray water, and that's why you need to use a natural, something like BioClean? Yes, yeah. yes. And that's why, that's another important thing. I called the company and asked them, like, um, is this okay to not go into a septic first and then mm-hmm. um, that it can go out into our, like, little pond and then down the stream? And they were, yes, 100%, this, yeah. is, this is okay. Um, I mean, and so look, I did do you a have a research. lagoon? Um, no, it kind of just, our land is on a hill and we kind of, where the pipe comes out is a tiny little pond that it kind of made itself. And then it just goes down into the stream. Um, and I think in the United States, each state has regulations on what is allowed into the gray water. So, um, I'm not sure if other states you would need to like get rid of the pee first. Mm, Yeah. But our state, you can, and what research I found, I'm comfortable with the wash machine rinsing the pee out and sending it down. Yeah. Yeah, lagoons are really popular in my area. That's why I was wondering if it was a a lagoon. No. Um, So, but the poop is definitely the biggest regulation. You can't just pour sewage. And I would not feel comfortable just pouring it out on the ground without yeah. treating it properly, like having it decompose properly to be sanitary. Fun process, hey? All these things yeah. you're learning about. Who knew, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so it was definitely a challenge figuring out how to get it in there without water. And uh, 
I haven't figured out how not to use the liner, like something where you have to keep buying. Mm-hmm. I that it's just been the easiest solution, and you know it as does. As far as I know, Smart Bottoms so. sources all of their cotton fairly responsibly. Oh, they say they're made in China, um, but uh, I would trust Smart Bottoms in their sourcing. And uh, so, my last question I have here on my list for you is: What's something you really wish people knew about cloth diapering that people aren't talking about enough? <laughs> Yes. Oh man, there's just so many things. Like, <laughs> okay, we'll start with. Do you have notes? Is that what I see? Graph. <laughs> yes. I think what doesn't get talked about enough that really irritates me is like, you like it's a marketing scheme. So like, stay dry. Like everybody thinks their baby needs something to stay dry, and like. When I was a first mom, I wanted my baby to stay dry. That sounded wonderful, but they don't need it unless they have a sensitivity. And Mm. I think some people make mistake that sensitivity for like a detergent buildup or a detergent allergy and thinking they need that stay dry barrier mm-hmm. or they're just not changing their baby enough. Oh my God. Right. Yes, totally. I uh, get into these conversations <laughs> with people a lot about this obsession about stay dry. Also yeah. this obsession that micro fleece is the answer to stay dry needs. Um, yeah. I actually think micro f- <laughs> should say this out loud, but like Microfleece is probably, I despise microfiber and I probably despise microfleece as much as microfiber. I just yeah. like, I feel like when people come to me and they're like, my kid is really struggling and I'm still using pockets and I'm using microfleece, like why do they hate me so much? Uh, I think microfleece does a terrible job of absorbing liquid, like get passing it through to the to mm-hmm. the child. And I think microfleece actually kind of feels a little wetter than people give it credit for. And yeah. I think microfleece is just crap as well. Um, <laughs> and you're totally right. Yes. And I think we buy into that is part of the disposable diaper marketing. Yes. Right? Disposable mm-hmm. diapers do a really good job of saying, if your child feels stay dry, you can go 12 hours in a diaper, blah, 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 blah. Um, right. But- and yeah, we're coming at that issue with the perspective of disposable marketing. Mm-hmm. And so people are trying to like transfer that same mindset over to cloth and it's just not even Mm -mm. not even comparable if you're like (laughs) my uh my son just hated the sensation of peeing so Mm -hmm. it didn't matter if he was in a disposable or a cloth every time he peed he'd get angry uh so we changed a lot of diapers i think though like if people are like really insistent on the stage right they should really be looking at cool max or athletic wicking jersey yeah just cools and it performs so much better Mm -hmm. but um yeah definitely okay for your child to feel wet and it's okay for them to be uncomfortable in it i think that's a question i got just this week on and it's just kind of like a normal reaction right i mean it's it's human like I wouldn't want to be sitting in my own pee. So as we say it, it also adds to the load of motherhood, this idea that we have to be changing diapers. And so that's, it's really hard in 2020. You have to find a balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And and they grow out of it. I think that's what I was trying to tell, reassure this mama is that Mm -hmm. uh, she'll grow out of it. Yeah. They'll get comfortable in sitting in their own pee. 
It's a terrible thing to say. (laughs) Right? But I'm sure you've had it with both your kids. Like, right? It's just, it's weird. And then eventually, you know, you have an 18-month-old who refuses to get their diaper changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I'm glad somebody yeah. said said that about stay dry. Nobody's ever told me that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever admitted to it. <laughs> All right. What's the other thing on your list, Rebecca? And I also wish people knew that, like, just in my journey of, like, the plant-based uh, detergents, that I really didn't find that they cleaned the synthetics well enough. Like, I think you need a synthetic to clean a synthetic because that's what they were really made for Mm -hmm. is to clean synthetic fibers that are harder to clean than a natural fiber. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking into switching to a plant-based detergent, really look at your stash and see if it's compatible. Um, Because that was one of my struggles too early on was I was trying to clean natural or like use a natural detergent with synthetic fibers and they just weren't working. And once and I got rid of all of those, it really helped. That's a really, I find from like a blogger content creator point of view, like it's a really hard conversation that to have with new moms is like trying to outline all these scenarios and be like, if this is the journey that you want, like if you want to be super crunchy, you really need to get off AliExpress and go look at Green Mountain or go look for natural fibers. Like if natural detergents are going to be your answer. Um, and trying to prepare moms for that before they like make that first purchase yeah, is so hard, especially because there's so much information out there about cheap diapers with synthetic materials. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you get them? Like, how do you steer them in the right direction before they make these mistakes? Get really frustrated that BioClean's not mm-hmm. cleaning microfiber because it's yeah. not going to, like microfiber is a pain to clean. Mm-hmm. literally the yeah. worst idea on the planet and you know there's a big educational curve on like the different fibers and I, oh, that's yeah. why I love some of your YouTube videos <laughs> because they go in and explain the different fibers and how they're made and what makes a, what classifies yeah. as a natural versus a synthetic Mm-hmm. And it was such an amazing journey last year, like learning about textiles. Like, yeah, just... I had a little bit of a textile background because I've sewn and mm-hmm. did different things, but I've definitely deep dived into it now um, yeah. with diapers and stuff. And I think that's where people get confused. It's yeah. like they don't even know the definition between synthetic and natural. Like they couldn't feel something and know what the difference is. No, no, I don't, I don't think we could, anybody could really well, like if you went out into the group or understand, like when I say microfiber, we don't really understand what that means. We don't understand that microfiber is a polyester and that polyester is made from a crude oil, petroleum products, like that whole journey, story journey, like Mm -hmm. completely lost and yeah. Conversations. They yeah. they just market it as a new improved fabric. Right? I was gonna do all these because wonders. It's cheaper for them to make. As <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that alone is like ridiculous to me. Uh that it's cheaper to like import crude oil and transient like Yeah, like how is that even possible? <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. 150 right? steps to get the same thing as a piece of cotton that only took yeah. five. Right? And I like, I get that people are concerned about natural fiber production as well, but there's a lot of things that we can do to ensure that natural fiber production is done well. Yes. And we can support. Um, I don't know if you see those conversations, but I see them where people will be like, uh, but producing cotton is so bad, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just like astronomical. So let's just use mm-hmm. synthetics. And it's like, that's just a total fallacy of yeah reasoning in my brain. I did. Yeah. I, I Well, I think the root of them seeing that, uh, you know, the producing of cotton is so bad is they're looking at the cotton that is produced um, traditionally. And if like the farmer is actually a good steward to the land, um, that is a totally different story. And we just need to change the perspectives of the farmers to be Mm -hmm. more um, sustainable. Yeah. And not just taking from the land, but giving to the land. If you're listening, I really enjoy uh, Fash Rev on uh, Instagram, Fashion Revolution. They share a lot of really good information about textiles from, yeah, from agriculture to manufacturing to in our doorstep. And I share a lot of that stuff on my Instagram already. But um, yeah, these like these, uh, what is that called? Timelines, product timelines mm-hmm. are really interesting when you get into them. Mm. Uh, do you have anything else on your list? One last thing. Oh, no, that, that's, that's it. All right. Yes. So if you guys want to follow Rebecca in real life, you can find her at Skyview Homestead on Instagram. All right. So that was the end of that conversation. It was really great to learn another experience and see how somebody does something different. Again, I learned so much. Every time I go into these podcast conversations with other cloth diaper parents, I always have my base level um, understanding about how cloth diapering works. And every time somebody says, yeah, well, this worked for me, even though it shouldn't, I go, wow, what, like, why is that? I mean, a lot of the times it's anecdotal. A lot of the times it won't work for other people, but we should be excited and happy that people are able to find a way that cloth diapers, even if it goes against what the research says and what the science says. Um, I've so often have done some research and looked up some things and gone and found the peer-reviewed studies only to learn that it goes against what the science of other groups say. So who is the science? Who is cloth diaper science? Cloth diaper science is based off the opinions of whoever says it loudest. So what I'm saying loudest is that if it works for you, it works for you. The best way that you can cloth diaper is by finding and learning about it and making a choice that it works for you and your family. If the choice works, then keep going with it. And if it doesn't work, then keep learning, practicing, experimenting, and talking with other people until you find an idea that works.
empowering everybody to cloth diaper in a way that works for them is the goal of the cloth diaper podcast and the intent behind my new book. So if you're listening and you follow me elsewhere, you might have known that I've been writing a book for the last six to 12 months and it is getting close to being published and released. If you go to clothdiaperpodcast.com or find me on Instagram and Facebook, you can find the latest updates of how to fold a prefold and more cloth diaper know-how. Um, it's about 200 pages of diagrams, information, and everything that I think you might need to know to get started to cloth diaper in a way that helps inform and empower you. I don't really want to tell you what to do, but I do want to give you the knowledge to make the decision for yourself. That is the most important thing that we can do. If you enjoy the Cloth Diaper Podcast, be sure to like us, follow us, and subscribe. Leave a review. And if you want to be on the Cloth Diaper Podcast, I am taking interviews. My life is a little sporadic with COVID. I don't have childcare. And so that kind of stuff is hard, but we can try to make it work. I will be having interviews now for into the summer in July and August, and I can't wait to see you around. Bye.